Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. With me here, I have James Casey. <laughs> My name is Marcus Tardrew, doing an interview on James Casey for himself. <laughs> <laughs> on, um, yeah, but mainly we're here to chat about Jimmy's Guinness um, world record um, because I kind of said to Jimmy, someone should interview him about this because, and he should have it on his own platform because it's kind of a big deal. And yeah, here we are. He said that I should do it. I think that's a bit silly, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone better to, to interview me, Marcus. Uh, Marcus and I have done a lot of downwind foiling or downwinding full stop together. So we're always nerding out on stats and equipment and tinkering with stuff so it's um i couldn't think of anyone better to to interview me for this and when he mentioned it i thought about it and i was thinking of other people i was like nah marcus is the man there's no no doubt in my mind <laughs> the intro was probably a good example of why it wasn't a good idea but anyway <laughs> <laughs> i liked it <laughs> oh, oh good well i, I reckon like people don't want to hear us crap on i'll just start i'll get into it get into um, it Sweet. Well, I guess, first of all, um, I was kind of, I sort of know a lot of the answers, but I'll pretend I don't. Um, but, you know, when did this idea come about? I, I'll i probably reference a lot um, the 100Ks that we did because that's the only thing I can even relate to what Jimmy just did, even though it's double the distance. So, um, yeah, forgive me if it sounds like sometimes I'm like, keep referring back to something I did it's not about me it's just the only way I can I can relate to what Jimmy's insane effort is but um I remember I feel like I basically washed up on the beach after foiling 100 kilometers you were pretty much already <laughs> talking about going double the distance and I'm like uh no nah, I don't know about that <laughs> is yeah like and that was either two or three years ago now so obviously a while and finally it's happened so um yeah, I guess, like, first of all, congratulations. It's a long time to to want to do something and then obviously make it happen. And, um, yeah, is that sort of when that came about or were you even thinking of these longer distances before we did 100? <laughs> yeah, um, before before we did 100, when, we, when you mentioned you were doing that, that was the reason I flew over. I'm like, this is perfect training for, yeah. and that's why I'll, you wanted to do 90 that, that day. And I was like, Matt, we're doing 100. We're doing triple, triple figures. Um, but I spoke to dad about it. Um, as you know, Marcus, when we we're in Maui at the, the table at dinner, um, there's some great conversations going on. And, and when dad was, I think it was before he was crook, but we talked about um, foiling and the distances you can travel on it and how like big open ocean rough seas are like perfect for foils. So, so dad was saying, he was, I don't know if he wasn't, you know how dad is, he doesn't, dad Rogers, he didn't joke about stuff. He'd put stuff out there and say, you should you should do it yeah <laughs> Let's make it happen and yeah. you know, the hollow board was one of the things <laughs> and yeah. a few other things as well but um basically we're talking about foils and he said oh i reckon foils are going to be the future of big wave surfing and he talked about you know it doesn't have to be clean conditions you can surf these massive open ocean swells in the he, he talked about the roaring 40s and he's like you know you go get a big you know fishing boat big trawler get down there get him to drop you off and you know you could just you know go for as long as you wanted to he's like it's you just he said you'd, you'd be able to go around antarctica he's like get a one <laughs> swell and just away you go he reckons he's like oh. 
Uh, we won't write it off. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's in the uh, in in the pipeline, but I think definitely not at the moment. But down the track. Yeah. But basically, he he planted that seed, and he was like, um, I, at that point, I said to him, Dad, that's a long bloody way around Antarctica. Like the Roaring Forties, I understand. Like that'd be cool, but um, to go that far, he's like, what what do you reckon is doable? And he goes, ah. Oh, Maybe go the Great Australian Bite then. Just go from WA to to, to Adelaide. That'd, that'd be a good starting point, you reckon? And I good said, that, yeah, that's the starting point. Yeah, that's a long day. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what about Bass Strait? He goes, oh, yeah, I guess you could do that to start with. You know. <laughs> so I was, when when we would when we did the hundred k foil, um, the foil for the fires, the, which feels like bloody. 10 years ago now because yeah. we've had floods now since um the bushfires seem like a distant dream or nightmare mm-hmm. um basically i was trying to look for a boat to do bass straight and then covid hit and when covid hit it just prevented us to travel so i was like okay well let's let's try and get this distance done so at least i know when i can get a boat for for tassie um but for bass straight i can no, I can do the distance. So for Bass Strait, it was, it's from, I think it's a crow flies, it's 210 Ks. And so I did 230, almost 214 kilometers in um, like 11 hours and 20 minutes thereabouts. And um, so t- to me, it's okay, it's doable, very doable. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's a few other things I think have to be line up, but um, that, that was where it all started. And obviously um, my dad since passed away from, from brain cancer for those listening and um obviously when someone gives you an idea when they're alive and then they pass away you kind of want to give you more inspiration to do it so for, for me you know i did it to for like obviously i wanted to, wanted to do it as well but like i did it yeah. for dad like dad was a huge inspiration to me and um originally i wanted to do it to, to raise funds but then the costs and uh, raise you know money for for brain cancer um i guess research but because uh, the boat, the, the logistics of it was just so expensive, and I was asking money from sponsors, and I just felt I'm like, oh, <laughs> the boat, you know, the whole thing added up, and I'm like, that'd be better just to send straight to brain cancer research, and um, so basically I just did it for to raise awareness, and there have been people that have sort of asked how to donate, and if you do want to donate, donate to the brain cancer group, um, they're the guys that actually um, were treating my dad. And basically what we saw was there's not a lot of, that they didn't know exactly what to do all the time. So it's like, for me, it's like trying to prevent that happen again. So yeah. another family doesn't go through what, what my family did. Hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it feels like um, it's all of everything you're talking about. It feels like it's all happened or it's, you know, the, the chat started so long ago um, and yeah, it's, it's um it's cool that you could do such a like a massive thing and it be recognized in the guinness book of world records and dedicate it to your dad because he was he was a pretty inspirational man um Mm. so very cool and just for the it's not confirmed it's not a guinness thing yet we have to send in all the evidence but yeah i would we're hoping it will be and and if and if they say we didn't get enough evidence i'll do it again (laughs) we'll do it again another time but um i think you know for anyone who knows about foiling 
if it's in that book or not, it doesn't make any difference. Like you've done something pretty, I think for people who don't downwind foil, it's kind of unfathomable what you've done. And even for people who do downwind and have downwinded long distances, it's still extremely crazy. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, and yeah, obviously that's a thing, you know, the reason I wanted to ask that is because you, you, you just show up on Instagram and you've done 200Ks, but, you know, the, the chat starts a long time before that and the efforts from obviously yourself to foil it, but so many other people who get involved and um, help out, basically. Like, that's a big effort from the oh, guy yeah. who drove the boat. and Massive and support team, yeah. But like you said, Mark, it's like, you, you know, like Molokai to Oahu, everyone always talks about how hard it is just to get to the start line and, organizing your boat captain, organizing your equipment to get there, all that sort of stuff. And and this was like 10 Molokai's in one. Like it yeah. was, there isn't just like a bunch of boats that just do it and you just have to find one person that does it. Like no one's done this. And do we find a boat from where we want to finish? Do we find it from where we want to start? You have to lock them in for, there's no race day. It's I'm looking for the right conditions. Um, so I need to be able to lock someone in, but mm. be on standby for like a month. So yeah. like I'm, that's, yeah. Crazy. Not everyone just has like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I can wait around, you know, free. It'll, it'll take 48 hours out of my life for this. And obviously, um, yeah. we, we found someone and uh, barefoot charters, and they basically that uh, in April they do like party boats on the weekends. So he's a, it's a big catamaran. It's a party boat. It's a catamaran that he does like parties in that like under the Sydney Harbour Bridge, basically. And he's like, yeah. oh yeah, look, I'm free Monday to Friday. Let's it through April. So let's let's do that, and then. He's actually now started doing whale charters. So he's oh, whale wow. watching. So like we have to do it before May, before May. So in April yeah. was our month. And um, yeah, so there were a couple of times where I'm like, oh, you know, Sunday looks really good. But um, in the end, the forecast never sort of lined up that it did fall on a weekend. And, you know, using, I guess, a bit of math, you were hope, like at five out of seven days, you'd hope that the day of wind was on one of those five days. And it turned out it did. Yeah yeah cool yeah crazy um what 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 about not just preparing everyone else but what about preparing you you know what did that look like did you just do your usual thing were you just going for downwinders when it was windy um or were you doing extra were you going to the gym and stuff i had a few people sort of ask me that in the shop um well yeah just for reference i work in a foil shop so people came in after the day like asking questions about Jimmy, like I was Jimmy. I'm like, no, I don't know all the answers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, beautiful thing. We can do this interview and people can get the answers. But um, yeah, heaps of people ask that, you know, are you, I mean, you're you're always pretty freakishly in shape. Um, did you have to do extra stuff for this or? I think I'm at a pretty big um, focus on just downwind foiling as yeah. often as I could. And actually we were chatting earlier, Marcus, like a lot of people they wait for 15, 20 knots to downwind. Um, I was literally, if the wind was either south or north, um, I was downwinding. So like for our coastline, you know, on the east coast, south or north is sort of straight, straight across. So like I was doing downwinders and actually one of my mates, um, Andrew Allen saw me go one day and he was like, I thought you were on an e-foil. There were no bumps. There was just a little bit of breeze and you were just like, you know, just a little dot out to sea and going along. And he's like, there's no way that you were 
you know, able yeah. to <laughs> go on that stuff. But it's like once you find a, you know, finding a floor that works in all the different conditions and, and getting myself out in as many conditions as possible and doing as many yeah. downwinders as I could. So um, obviously very lucky to have my wife who's, she's, um, especially when she was pregnant and on mat leave, <laughs> she was <laughs> like, oh, I can drive you. And with COVID, she was like, oh, you know, I prefer you not to car shuttle because COVID was running rampant in Sydney. So she's like, oh, maybe we just, I'll just pick you up by the end and, you know, I'll, we'll make it work kind of thing. And so that's another part of the team. Like it, you don't just go for downwinders. Um, other stuff I was doing was if there wasn't any wind at all, I was just sort of in the surf. I just bolt a big foil on my stand up and just see how long I could go like distance. So if it was like a 50 minute session, I'd try to be up on full for at least 45 minutes. So it's just getting those legs used to, um, you know, being up on foil and also reading the ocean. Like that's really, like I was never going to do it on a flat, flat day. I was always going to have to do it and wait for a good day of wind. Um, so it's tapping into the energy and being able to match your foil to that and reading that um, sort of stuff. And the other thing that obviously like our foil we did, Marcus, the 100Ks, that was, that was all preparation, even though it was three, almost three years ago now. And that's yeah. still like, it gives you confidence. Like, I know I've done 100Ks in seaweed in WA and it was pretty light when we started too. Yeah. Um, I did 120K foil from um, Bass Point back up to the Northern Beaches. That was yeah. crazy conditions. And I learned a lot from that as well. It was like the swell was basically too big and the wind was too strong, basically. Like it just made it, um, when it gets bigger, you have to focus more. And as time goes on, <laughs> like focusing for over two hours on anything really technical is hard you get drained so yeah. I, I sort of um i didn't want a massive southerly like the second or third day of a massive southerly because that would have meant that uh basically it's just going to be too rough and when it gets too rough you make more mistakes when you make more mistakes you go slower you burn more energy um and then the final sort of little tick or like check before i did the thing was i did the world record foil was I paddled for 14 hours overnight <laughs> on a stand-up paddleboard, not foiling, but 50Ks up the Hawkes River and 50Ks back. I wanted to do the Hawkesbury Classic, which is a 100K race one way, but it was cancelled. And I was actually training a mate of mine, helping him prepare for Molokai to Oahu. Since 2019, it's been cancelled ever since. Um, and and he, we were training for this together and it was cancelled too. And he's like, mate, let's just do it. And I'm like, mate, I'm down. Let's do it. So we waited for a good day and waited for the tides and we paddled upstream and didn't get the tides, it's hard to get the tides perfect. So sometimes up current <laughs> and then turn around and came with the current. And this was all overnight um, because the, the Hawkesbury Classic is overnight. Um, so that was 14 hours of unassisted carrying our own food and water um, and just mental training, really just sort of knowing that your body can go for that long um, giving yourself the confidence, knowing that you can refuel the body while you're out on the run. Um, and yeah, so Justin Gallagher, um, he's, a, he's the mate who sort of made it, made, made us do it, made it happen. So he was just sick of other races being cancelled. And um, yep. I definitely lent on that. Yeah, I knew that if I could paddle in the dark <laughs> um, on yeah. a skinny board, carrying my own food and water, um, just the highs and the lows that you go through, like even our foil, Marcus, the highs and like there were times where like I'm like man this is so hard and and you were good and like doing it with someone's really good because you can lean on um yeah. their highs and you can carry them through their lows 
doing it on your own is definitely different. Um, but I was lucky enough. I had a pretty good support team for the, for the world Mm. record fall. It sort of helped me. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, um, uh, like the nutrition, was that something you were already all over from sup racing? I know that we sort of spent quite a bit of time working on that with Molokai and stuff and trying to get you to take caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, you did end up taking when you won, which is yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. But um, obviously, you know, 12 hours is different to four hours. Um, and oh, that length. But is that something that you were just already had, you know, sort of sussed from that, that sort of thing? or? Yeah, definitely lent on it. Like for, for Molokai, when we stand up and not on a foil, but we're using our paddle a lot more. So the, the water like the intake of carbohydrates and electrolytes and water through the camelback was the, the, the best way. Um, and obviously like a few gels every now and then, but you want to limit what you're eating. Whereas for the foil, your, your hands are free pretty much. Like I, I could answer a phone. I actually did a radio interview when I was passing Jaroa, like, you know, halfway along <laughs> on, on the actual day. And my captain said, are you up for this? And I'm like, yeah, the conditions are good right now. You know, I can probably be on the phone for five, 10 minutes. I actually called Lana my wife after <laughs> I was like, just an interview where are you at um so like that when the conditions are good you can definitely you know use your hands so I was eating muesli bars um I had actually weirdly enough this is what I learned from the Hawkesbury paddle um porridge in like a ziploc bag in terms of carbs per I guess grams it's like the highest carbs I could find so I actually uh-huh. used um it's this buckwheat porridge and it's like for 100 grams it's like 85 grams of carbs so in terms of refueling the body in a small, I guess, way, it was you know, a bit weird, but it's like on top of like, I, found, I knew that if I drank a liter of water, there was like 60 grams of carbs there. But if I supplemented that with a muesli bar, it was another 20 grams or supplemented with a bit of porridge and sort of that, that would give me even more. And I'd know I wouldn't have to eat as often. So when I knew I was yeah. coming up to a tougher stretch, I'd, you know, you know, get all the food in, drink as much water as I could and, and sort of coast and sort of just remember to continue eating. And that's, I guess, one of the things you got to remember to finish the stuff that you have on you. And so I had a little pouch in my um, life jacket and my camelback in the back. And so I just had my food that I'd eat and then the rubbish I'd put in my pocket. I had a, um, I didn't have, I don't, I had caffeine gels in my pocket, but the last um, change we did, I had a fair bit, in there because I want like I said they sort of mixed it up and like salt and vinegar chips and just lots of different things because you you get sick of eating the same thing all the time and yeah. at that point it's just food is energy and it doesn't yeah. really matter but I had like these um like uh like a lolly bag so it's just like you know snakes and you know little raspberries and I just sort of scoffed that and that was my sort of um sugar spike to get me to the end I didn't have the caffeine this time I couldn't couldn't find it in the pouch. I had too much stuff going on, but um, I was so buzzing after like, I had like a, you know, like a hand, like a big handful of just like oh, lollies into my mouth. And I was just like buzzing by the end. I was like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I don't think I've ever really seen you eat lollies before. So when you eat them, you'd probably have a good. It's like having like red, red, red cordial to a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's a good insight into, into that, you know, it's just certain things that you don't really think about when you just see a guy on Instagram foiling 200 k's. He's just going for a foil, but a long yeah. one. Yeah, so, yeah it definitely. Cool. That's 
the, the, the fueling and, and the training, I guess back on the training, I did want to do more after the hundred and the 120, I, I knew where my legs were getting worked and like what was sore. And I wanted to do more calf raises to sort of help strengthen when you foil, you're using a lot of sort of toe movements and um, like my calves were the most cooked after the, the day, not my quads. My quads are pretty strong. My quads are good. <laughs> <laughs> my calves are not so strong. Um, so I think, you know, for those that want to increase their endurance for longer foiling, you probably look at doing lots of calf raises because when you're adjusting your feet, it's all on your toes. So yeah, yeah. That, that's what I wished I'd done in the end. But um, I was, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't do much gym stuff because the, the birth of my first child and Lana yeah. being pregnant and trying to downwind for as much as possible so that took priority <laughs> yeah makes it even more amazing um oh people probably want to hear about the actual foiling now <laughs> so, yeah. i guess um on camera um the the morning you know you obviously look like you're in the dark mm. obviously trying to make the most of um the the daylight you're going to have um and it looked really light um I foiled the other day in the night, did a downwinder and it got dark while we were downwinding and it was one of the most bizarre things. Was it really dark or was it you could see fine? Um, I wanted to go earlier. The, the, the media crew that I got, they were really keen to get really good footage and, like, obviously I thanked them for that. That's what That was their job. But it was a balancing act. Like, I wanted to leave, like, in the dark um, yeah. so that I had could make use of the entire 12 hours. Um so at the start, they were like, oh, just wait, we want to get this shot and just wait, we got to throw the drone up and we'll just wait that it's not light enough for the drone and this, that and the other. And I'm like, guys, I've only got like 11 and a half hours of daylight and I need to try <laughs> to use them 12 hours. Yeah. So at the end, I said, like, stuff it, I'm going. So I just jumped off. And, <laughs> and yeah. um, actually, when I got going, my, my mate who was Jamie, who was filming the, flying the drone, he thought, because it was so light, he didn't think I was going to get up. So he actually kind of almost missed me paddling up onto the foil. And he was spewing. and he's like, man, I didn't think you were going to go up and it was still so light, but he was going to paddle. Yeah. I'm like, mate, man, <laughs> you should have seen me training. Like, this was windy. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like there's a big misconception with downwind foiling that you can only do it when it's windy. Um, you know, one, we've chatted about it quite a bit, but um, when I tell guys I, I can go downwinding way earlier than I can go winging, mm. you know, they're like, oh, that doesn't way make earlier. sense. Like, yeah. Way earlier, <laughs> you know. I, yeah, like, Way, way, way. Yeah. And even yeah. if the wind dies, like I've that many times I've been stuck out there winging. Even today I went for a wing and I was, it was like it was 15 knots offshore. And then yeah. the wind just completely died. And if I was on a sup, I'd probably be able to catch a wave and foil all the way in, like yeah. some sort of energy. Whereas on the wing, you just get stuck out there when the wind dies and it's like game over if you fall off. So it was um, yeah, I had a mate, um, Grant Perry, he he's, he was questioning that the forecast. That, you know yeah. a lot of people did they were questioning like why why'd you go when it was so light um and i was like that was the best day but also i know that i can get going when it's when it's that windy like or that light and mm -hmm. basically the other thing that i looked at and i don't want to give away all the secrets but basically you want to wind swell is almost just as important as wind itself so there was some wind swell on that day and it wasn't as much as i expected in the first in the early hours of the morning yeah. Um, but it was enough to get going and enough to keep going, um, despite the, the the wind literally blowing offshore. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I guess not a huge deal if it was blowing slightly offshore and you know it was going to swing around because if you're just trying to do Ks, you could do it curved or whatever. But yeah, main yeah. thing, obviously, you had to get up. Um, and yeah, on the camera, it looked really light. What? How windy was it? Um, it was windier than we than I thought it'd be. Like when I rocked up at the beach, but it was yeah. probably gusting to ten knots and yeah. um, just like what, like the forecast was for it to be west southwest early, and it was like it felt west, like even norwest. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you, like that there was a little bit of south wind swell that I'd be able to tap, tap onto every now and then, and um, when I was on that wind swell that was sort of going along the coast and into shore, it was like I was getting blown off the back of it. Just like, no, it was almost harder to be on the swell. You had to pump to stay on it and try to like crouch down the ball to get aero. Yeah. 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 But it was, um, yeah, it was, it felt very offshore. But in saying that, actually, I'm going to share my, I've got my training peaks. I can sort of show you at the beginning. Um, I like this. So you can see at the start, like a westerly wasn't so bad. It's sort of, because I had to get around Jarvis uh -huh. Bay. So like a westerly, if it was proper south, I would have had to be working pretty hard to get out. Um, mm -hmm. And if I zoom in, you can kind of see the, the zigging and zagging I was doing. Um, yeah. So like that really helped that it was, like it had to be at least southwest. Would have been perfect, but west was better than east. And we've had so many easterlies um this summer so it was it was actually really nice to 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 have you know yeah. be able to get out off the coast at, in the morning because i meant i didn't have to work i actually had to work in to to get around jarvis bay kind of thing so yeah. it wasn't an issue of getting wide enough because the wind was west early and I, yeah. I definitely made the most of that yeah cool um i guess another thing related to getting up obviously is going to be what foil you had to choose um it's going to have to be pretty decent because it was light and you're doing it over 12 hours so and you knew it was going to get really windy so you needed yeah. a pretty, you needed a unicorn yeah <laughs> but, i needed you know, something that didn't exist <laughs> yeah so i mean like everyone's going to want to know what foil you use front wing tail wing shim board shim yeah <laughs> fuse yeah um, get get techie <laughs> tell yeah. us what you used so i was really hoping i could use the axis art 899 because i've done my fastest speeds on that foil um but i would have needed a lot more wind than what i had um at the start i could have used it from probably 100ks on um to be honest in hindsight, I, I used the, the perfect foil. Like if I'd used something smaller at the start, I would have been completely gassed. I used the ART 1099 with the standard fuse, the um, progressive 325 and the 82 um, power carbon mast, which um, is being released or has been released. I'm not sure where it's at yet, but maybe when I release this, it has been released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah cool uh yeah that's obviously going to be something that a lot of people were going to ask um and and then board i was using six no, no shims I'm, I'm a big believer in no shims if yeah, i can I'm, avoid it um I'm the same but yeah <laughs> but for the rear that the axis is kind of uh, angled not completely flat it's probably shimmed a little bit at the front top mm -hmm. mount so it's like a little bit stally i guess um 
yeah it's so it's it's shimmed perfectly already basically like there's there's some brands that that aren't i guess tuned nicely like i think um a lot of guys talk about armstrong they need to put a shim at the front of the rear wing and the takuma you've got a shim at the top of the base plate and to, to me that's a, a production fault you shouldn't have to shim anything i don't think the only reason that i found shimming would help if it was super light and I was struggling to get going on the 1099, I probably would have put a shim in the rear wing to, to increase lift, but it, it, it would have come at a cost of obviously going a little bit slower. So yeah. I'd prefer to use a, uh, I guess, a, to me, you've got to match your front wing with your rear wing. And um, yeah, I found when I downwind and I've got plenty of um, energy, I, I really like a smaller stab and obviously a smaller front wing as I can get away with too. But for the conditions and the range of conditions I had on offer, the first two hours was was not really doable without anything smaller than the 1099. Like my yeah. my rear quad was like cooked. Like when I yeah. did my first water change, we tried to do it on the run so I didn't have to stop, but it was sort of, we hadn't practiced it. And so I had to stop and I had to paddle back up in the bumps. And the last pump to get it sort of up, my like my quad was like, oh i've been using this leg a lot yeah only two hours in and it was like oh this is going to be a big day um how was that uh mentally for you when you have that yeah i tried not to think about what was ahead of me and i, I yeah. luckily like for my mental state you could there's actually you could there's a big rainbow behind us and basically a, a storm cloud was coming and that storm was the, the southerly change i guess the, the, uh. the, the beginning of the wind so it was like it's sort of like short term. Yeah. Like I knew that it's got, it was coming. It was coming basically. And that's one of yeah. the reasons um, I actually drank. I, I, I'd planned to do almost a, a, a water stop every um, sort of three hours, but because the wind was so light in the morning, I took less water because I didn't want to carry it to get going. And like, once you're up and going, you don't want to be carrying ex excess weight when it's light. So I was, and I was drinking too much too quickly, basically. And so I ran out of water about an hour and a half, like two, almost two liters in an hour and a half, just guzzling it because I was working so hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually asked to stop like a little bit earlier, but then I sort of changed my mind because I was looking around at the bumps, like there's no bumps to just, if I stopped, I might not get going again after the work I've just done with a yeah. full water pack. So I pushed it out as, sort of as long as I could. Um, so you're so really on the limits like I, of what was possible at I the guess. beginning yeah, yeah at the beginning for sure yeah it was like I, that was the hardest part like that first two two and a half hours whenever it was i stopped it was it was um you didn't want to stop because the the paddle up in those conditions with a lot of food and water on you definitely um you know try to make it as i guess efficient as possible and three liters in a camelback like on your back is that's three kilos plus the food <laughs> plus everything else like that's that's the difference between getting up sometimes and totally oh and if you don't get up once and you got to do a second effort it can be pretty taxing so yeah big time yeah. big time so nice. yeah that was um that was tricky <laughs> mentally yeah for sure yeah that's crazy and um so how far had you gone in two hours when you did this change Oh, okay. we can have a look at that actually. I don't actually know. I noticed when you showed that before. How's your heart rate there? Yeah, look at like, the heart rate at the start. Yeah. So that's up at 180 at the start yeah. and sort of settles at 160 pretty much. Yeah. So this first 
you know, what, what is that? That is, yeah, two hours, 33 Ks. Um, and that was my first stop. So just, it was just before two hours by the looks of it. And mm. um, yeah, I was working. And you can see yeah. basically where this crosses over. <laughs> just here. Wind that's started. The wind kicked <laughs> in, basically. The wind kicked. Yeah. And the heart rate settles and the speeds go up. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that was nice. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to look at on a screen like that when you look at the times and um, the little distances. Are they the distances, those numbers in the boxes there? Um, over here? I assume that. No, on the, on the map. Oh, yeah, so that's, that's <laughs> 210, 189, 168. Yeah, yeah so it's, <laughs> it's like you got to zoom in to actually sort of yeah. see what's going on because there's so many numbers <laughs> yeah and that first square is probably still more than the average person does on their average downwinder <laughs> yeah 21 k's is the first yeah. one <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's it was, pretty amazing the big day yeah, yeah. it's a big day of foiling got my hit that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I'm there. laughs> it was funny because um we had some prototype boards sent over and we had this very interesting one that was supposed to come to you and i was like ah oh, i might just hang on to that and you're like yeah that's cool i'm i'm done for a bit anyway <laughs> yeah yeah fully that that board um, arrived in wa like justin i wanted to do this and it would have been nice but the actually the six one what i was using but this downwind aviator would just we'll talk about i guess the range that's coming but six one by 22 and a half at 85 liters is what i was using and um for me um it was a huge improvement from the six by 24 by 78 liters or 79 liters what i was using so the extra volume definitely helped and the skinnier width has been huge the the, the length an extra inch I, to be honest it's it's neg like you don't notice it at all especially with the boxes being a bit further forward um but to me that was that gave me a lot of confidence um the weight of it the the way it popped up and got going and um, i'm pretty excited for the for the range that's about to come out to, to all the crew. I think people are going to be frothing. Yeah, it's so cool that um, it's become a thing worthy of its own range now. Like down I know. Because I think maybe five years ago when we started doing this, I don't know how long, it must be five. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I was you know, pushing for a downwind board and everyone, everyone was like, there's not enough people that want to do it for a range. Yeah. Like, you were well, like, we you even have... said... <laughs> yeah, we just made customs. It's like, nah, no one's going to buy these. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's a thing. It's really cool. Um, a lot of demand for it over here anyway. Um, I think it's a lot of the wing foilers are starting to see the potential of not having a wing in your hand to go downwind and that. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's chat about another thing. I know um, when I did the Molokai on the foil and I was doing about 30 k's a day i was doing two maliko runs a day i think that's about 30 yeah. in the lead up um and i remember you'd remember i my i started losing circulation in my feet <laughs> and i got more deck pad and i flipped it over and stuck Smooth it on side. so yeah. the diamonds didn't line up and it was real cushy um to try and get through basically because i was at, awake at night with pins and needles in my feet and stuff and then I remember it, it revisited me in the 100Ks, um, even though we are getting on and off the board so much and paddling up because it was so weedy. Yeah. Um, but you must have, I assume you had 
something similar or yeah oh, we chatted about it but it's um it's a terrible yeah. feeling and when i know it happened for you when did it kick in and and how did you deal with it i think at that first stop i was already felt it so at the two hour yeah. mark or an hour and 55 whatever it was it had already sort of kicked in um and basically the stop was nice but um you know it's only i think i tried to limit my stops to under five minutes just get everything sorted and, and get going again don't mess around um so and you know it's only you're just going to keep going the same distance anyway so it's never going to help that much um basically just changing my foot position so like if this is my foot i was trying to like go up onto the arch what little arch i have <laughs> go and then go onto the side the side of my foot the outside of my foot go onto my toes a bit more go onto my heels a bit more and just sort of rotate it just movement if you keep your foot in one spot like, as you said, Marcus, your foot goes dead. So I was adjusting it like that and then adjusting toes closer to the center of the board, closer to the outside of the board and then like the heel maneuvering as well. So that was, that was what I was it's trying to do. Um, a few of the clips I noticed, obviously, oh, well, everyone in the world has actually seen a lot of you downwinding um, from your social media and stuff. But I noticed that your stance was really different quite a lot. Um, and obviously yeah. that been for the feet was it also a way to I know when I get tired I get my stance really close and just do little shallow pumps and just try and ride high but safely and and just try and chill out if I'm getting tired mm. rather than have that powerful stance sometimes you sort of depends on the foil you're using um, not so much now the, the newer foils I feel are much better and you, I feel with the foils I'm using now I can bomb down really big waves and I don't have to be stressed about it. Now the foils I can paddle up in light wind can also go down, you know, big bumps and with no issues. But I, I used to find I'd need a sort of wider stance if it was getting hairy and probably still do a little bit, but if I want to conserve, I'd really narrow it. And it looked like yours was a bit like that. And even sometimes quite um, side on. I think I noticed in one clip you're, your back foot was nearly right over the other side, I think, which is kind of what you were just describing then. Yeah. Was that just for your feet or was that for just conservation in general? <laughs> I, like I didn't, like I was, the front foot was the main thing. So I was moving that to sort of keep the circulation going, but the the stance itself was just a f efficiency thing. Like I just found that um, the, like the more square on I was. So like, you know, surf, like normally when you foil, you're pretty surf stance. Um, I just got more and more towards like a sup paddling stance kind of thing the longer I went. Yeah. And I think the first video of me foiling that was sort of published was me coming into the finish at, at Bear Island at La Perouse. And I was like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, was, um, yeah. A lot of people have messaged me and said, what was with that stance? I'm like, oh, mate, you try foiling 210K. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was yeah, just I noticed a, that obviously sort of could relate, not to the distance, but to the, the feeling. And I was like, oh, I reckon that's what he must have been doing. And obviously when we chatted later, you were like, yeah, that was, <laughs> I was cooked. I just had to get out of that position. And you know, also the, the fact that I was in a, um, like uh, I was overfoiled for a lot of it. Like the first two hours I was like a little bit underfoiled. And then there was this sweet patch of like probably 50 Ks where I'm like, oh, foil's perfect. It feels so good. And then I had current hit me really hard. Like basically the EAC, like because the La Nina this year, um, all the, all the warm water, basically the East Australian current has pushed really close into the East coast. Um, so I was far enough out. <laughs> I was like 15 Ks out at one point, just after, after Jarvis Bay. 
and I was copying like the, the brunt of the East Australian current basically. And my captain said, oh, you're in a depth of, um, you know, 80 to 100 metres. If you go like a kilometre in, you'll be more like 60 to 70 metres and that'll make a big difference. So I, I cut in and it made a big difference. But basically the foil I was using, the 1099 was epic for the start because it was super light. But um, in the Guinness rules, it's like you've got to use one foil for the entire day. And I think that's a good thing anyway, because you know, yeah. if you swap too much, you're probably going to do your head in <laughs> and swapping yeah. takes time. Um, so I just, yeah, Make the 1099. Do. Like imagine you can just change equipment to the conditions. It's kind of like, I feel like it's cheating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, know? I think it's good that you just have to stick to the one. For the yeah, whole you're dealing with nature. There's, there's all these sort of obscurities that can show up. Like, you know, we didn't expect the weed that we had for 100Ks and you probably didn't expect it to be as light when you started. Yeah. But it's cool, you know, you, you that's all part of um, these choices like foil and stuff. It, it, it's, yeah, I think it's way cooler that you were, Overfoiled for 100k's first. Yeah, <laughs> probably um, like 120 <laughs> even. I was sorry. Yeah, it's probably not cool for you, but um, you know, it's it makes um a lot of it more impressive. It's it's impressive enough the number, but you know, a lot of the things you overcome to get to the 200, um, yeah, stuff like that's it's it's cool. I reckon it's amazing that you started in under 10 knots and finished in what did you it looked windy was it over 20 knots yeah it was it was probably over 20 but like at some point in the middle of the day i think they were yeah. probably gust to 25 it was sort of in that 15 to 25 sort of range closer to 25 at the end and you know from two hours in two and a half hours in probably that 15 to 20 which was pretty nice for the 1099 what happened was yeah. the swell picked up really quickly too and um, also the current going against me made the the wind shock really stand up more. Um, oh, yeah. So I could like just off Java space, that's like 50 something Ks in, maybe 60 Ks in. The current again, like Zane was on the boat and he was frothing. He's like, these bumps, he was on the radio. He's like, those bumps look epic. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I'm holding on with my toes. I was yeah. just so maxed because the current running against made it steeper. And um, yeah. Yeah, I could actually feel, like I've never felt it because I don't usually, like if the, if the conditions are that good, I'm usually using a smaller foil. But yeah the bumps were so good and the current was against me so strong i felt the current on the foil and i, I actually asked saying a couple of times like do i have seaweed do i have seaweed and i got like went close to the boat so we could sort of see and he's like nah there's nothing and i'm like oh because i was yeah. going like my watch was reading like i think i got down to like almost four minute k like a 350 or something like super slow yeah. but i was maxed like going so quick like oh like so mm-hmm. hanging on the current has they ever gone that slow on a foil downwind it's never on the 1099 not with the foils we're using now but i don't think ever even like it's only if you're yeah. paddling yes yeah, like i'm yeah. pretty sure it was a 350 i should have to have a look at the double check but um yeah and what then like cost you in time that current and how much time do you did you spend in it or did you get out did you suss it out pretty quick and get out of it no i think i was in it from pretty early because like on that map you saw i went out to sea pretty quickly so i think like the 20 kilometers before jarvis bay and then passing jarvis bay and then about 20 k's after jarvis bay so probably at least probably 60 k's i reckon in the current give or take and you know i i was doing from the beginning of the day i was earlier on i asked zane as well like is there is there seaweed and it was i was because i'd just never seen i'd never gone so slow yeah. on the 1099 like normally on the 1099 i can go anywhere between 230 and 
it didn't I couldn't normally go as slow as like 310 like that was sort of the the range of it yeah like from the beginning of the day I was doing like 319s and I was like hmm, it's a bit slower <laughs> and obviously the bumps were small so I didn't think too much yeah. of it um hmm. but yeah as the day went on I finally clued on off Jaroa which was like you know 80 k's in I'm like something's not right <laughs> yeah. uh, when I had a choice to go in had an option to go in and then have to get around something and um, yeah. straight away I picked up in, in one kilometer, I went from doing like a, you know, 330 or 340 went in and I got to like a 305 or something. So I picked up like yeah. 35, 40 seconds in just by going in like left for a kilometer. Was, yeah. um, That's a crazy. Of, a relief. That's a lot of time. <laughs> if you take current out of your equation, that really makes 250 for the yeah. same effort, probably, you know, um, very doable yeah well, just like I know yeah, it's extra. very doable for you anyway but yeah that that's crazy I guess if you take that current out of it because I know you were I know if there was um I know you were going to go as far I know your goal was 200 mm. but I'll you know on yeah. the back, like uh, if, there's, if there's more daylight Jimmy will do 250 I'll put money on that and yeah. sure enough you did go a bit further but um yeah yeah if you took that current out of it probably if you're talking 30 seconds that you may have lost for you said since the start like you realized at 80 but let's say 50 that it was fully yeah it probably like i probably don't think there was much current at the start because i was so far in but in about 10 or 11 k's i was pretty far out so yeah well i'd you know probably 30 k's that were 30 k's that were like current affected i would say um the other thing like i definitely think i could have gone further if conditions allowed from 100 k's or 50 60 k's in or whatever it was from java space at 80 k's in i was overfoiled so yeah. when you overfoiled you're basically mm. you're holding on and going slower than what you could be so yeah. like i know on an 899 i can do like you know closer to two minute kilometers so and for most of the day i was doing around three minute kilometers so it's yeah. i'm losing a kilometer every you know one mm. kilometer or a minute every kilometer so that adds up a lot over 200k so i think it's it's a very beatable like record that i've set i think for for crew that are listening and want to give it a crack um i I certainly want to give it another crack when everything lines up again (laughs) i reckon i know who's gonna beat it (laughs) um i saw someone put up the map in relation to of the hawaiian islands of what you did and i thought it was pretty cool when i did molokai i was like yeah, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this time, there was this little bit and your map was like that... from, nearly from one end of the islands to the other. Mm. Is that something to consider to beat it? You know, when the conditions the, be better, maybe, yeah. Like, well, you know, it's trade winds. Quite often when we're there, when we used to be there at the time of year we were, you wake up and it's 20 knots mm. and it's it's windy all day. Quite often just gets windier um any has there been any thoughts about trying to beat this record in just like finding that dream location and and just sending it (laughs) or uh look like when i saw that i was like that'd be a pretty sick run but like starting i think it was starting at maliko and then going around like um past honolulu bay and on the north side of molokai and then going along the northern coast of molokai and then doing the cavey channel and then going to the west coast of Oahu, <laughs> which that to me was like that really like yeah. because we've paddled those races on stand-ups, 
um, mm. and, and I haven't paddled a lot like outside of Sydney, I guess, longer distances. Um, for me, like Borley Point or Kyola to, to Sydney was like, yeah, it's a long way. But when I, when I, when that, I can't remember who shared it, but when that was going around Instagram and I'm like, ah, oh. so I've done Maliko runs before. I've done Maui to Molokai. I've done Molokai to Oahu and I've always been stuffed after those crossings. And to M&M to Oahu. Man, yeah. this foil thing's so efficient. And obviously I was stuffed after doing, you know, the, from Bali Point too. But um, yeah. it was, it was like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I know there's also current off the north coast of Molokai. So, it, you know, I'm sure, you know, someone will give it a crack over there at, at one point um, and yeah. coming into, you know, this, the summer. They, you know, I'd be disappointed if someone didn't try to do a long one, send it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a pretty, it looks like a pretty cool course to me. I would have changed a few yeah. things, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it was very... It really put it in perspective for me because I've done those races. And yeah, yeah. Interesting. You you bring up the the racing. Um, the year that you won Molokai was the first year that I foiled it, and I remember, and you'd remember as well. I'm like, I don't even know if I can go this far. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm only doing like thirty k's a day, and um, yeah, it was fully the unknown. Yeah, I remember I did. I was like, that wasn't actually. You know, like you said, when you paddle it, you paddle that channel and you get to the end, you're like, that's it. Like, just, yeah. I just want to sleep for a few days. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, oh, you know, we should go to the pub or something. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, I'm out I of bed. Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. there was a moment there and we were, we were walking to, to Lulu's and, and I was like, Marcus, um, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and you were like, eh, yeah, it's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. went home and then we had to celebrate the next day. The next night and um yeah it was... yeah it's crazy the difference isn't it it's um it's it's so bizarre I, I, I still find it so funny that we watch those videos of kai on that chopped off race board and i was kind of like i was pretty skeptical you know i was you were yeah, like yeah. riding it be like ah this is gonna happen i'm like nah i don't think so yeah and now like last week i paddled up the lift 90 and relatively easily and I, I remember before the run I always doubt myself and I'm looking at it I'm like oh man I was with Julian who you know um, and you've had on the podcast and he's like you'll be fine I used it last week it's fine I'm like look at it it's tiny it's like yeah. it's up to 600 square centimeters yeah and um, sure enough paddled it up fine and you you look back to only not that long ago when Kyle yeah. that video and just blew everyone away and to what we're using now and and where it's come and the speeds you can go effortlessly and do these crossings and then go to the pub afterwards <laughs> and yeah it's it's yeah it really blows me away and obviously you know 200 k's is possible on a sub but not in daylight yeah <laughs> not yeah i don't think anyone's done 200 k's in 12 hours on a sub <laughs> that'd be no, impressive no. for 24 hours yeah on an e sub maybe yeah <laughs> It's, You'd run out of battery. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, and when you, um, so I think we've sort of um, talked a lot about the foiling. Um, what you, you mentioned you were about 50, 15 Ks offshore at one stage. Was that the furthest you got offshore? 
I think so. I think, yeah, I, I, I measured it after and I was like, it feels like I'm pretty far offshore. And I had a look at where that was. And yeah, I was getting close to 15 kilometers. And it, it because I had a boat there and because I knew where I wanted to go, it was like that the coast sort of juts out. I wasn't yeah. like worried, I guess. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah 15K is perfect. I can bomb in if I want to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I did <laughs> when, when I felt mm-hmm. that current. It's really bombed in. I got, in there. it was interesting actually. Like, so obviously with the current against you, but the, the bumps are so different in like 80 meters depth compared to, you know, 20 meters depth mm-hmm. even. And, and I guess what I, especially with the current against, um, I definitely, there was more action. It was also the conditions changed. Like it got bigger swell and more as you get closer to Wollongong and Sydney, that gets a little bit, um, the angles a bit more harsh. So you feel more backwash, but there was just so much more energy in the shallow water shallower water than there was in the deeper water um it's and obviously looking at my speeds and that's like the, there was still plenty of bumps but it was just a different it was amazing how different the deep water bumps were to the shallow water bumps and yeah people mm. that have done molokai they know that that you know the bumps yeah. get super different and as you approach the island of Oahu, it's when you talked about the depth i was like yeah molokai is like super deep yeah so like the oh, island of as you get closer to Oahu, it gets really backwashy and it was kind of a bit like that because from Wollongong onwards, it gets it was super backwashy and the swell got bigger and and earlier it was sort of maybe cleaner, but you know, different, a different challenge, I guess, with the with mm. the current against me. And you know, something on a on a fall that was maybe a little bit too big for for that, you know, that speed of swell that it became. The, the day yeah. changed so much. Like it, that's the other yeah. thing. Like you talked about current, but also like the first two hours, if I was on a smaller fall from the start, um, it's just gonna make it quicker the longer yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> with the with those stats that you had before, what were your, do you know off the top of your head what your quickest kilometre was your, and your um, what your quickest speed was? I know someone's going to ask this, or people have asked in the questions that we'll go through in a sec, I reckon, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested too because obviously big foil <laughs> but also big bumps, so. Yeah, I got pretty close to 40 k's an hour, like max speed. Just yeah. here, I'm looking, it says peak two seconds. So for the two second, I did 38.7. So yeah, that's which awesome. for, a, that for a 1099, like that's that's testing the limits of it. Yeah. And then how do I find my fastest kilometer? I'm not sure. Um from memory, it was like my fastest was around like just over, or just just quicker than two thirty, like a two twenty four, two twenty five, yep. and then my slowest, like I said before, was it was getting close to four minutes, which yeah, like crazy. while still on foil, it's like obviously not 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 including my stops, um, yeah. but that's yeah, that's before like I'd done the math in my head before. I'm like, look, even on a ten nine nine, I'm doing you know slowest. The slowest I ever go is like a three minute kilometer. You know, that's that's pretty slow, you know, for foiling these days. And I was like, look. That's 20 Ks an hour. I'll get 200 Ks in 10 hours. Simple. Yeah. Plus the stops. Maybe it's 210, 215. And I was like, on the day, I'm like, man. Like, then there's a point there where I was going to, re- like, uh, originally my captain, he wanted me to get to Bondi because he's, he was like, I had tried to organize all this media and like Bondi from the city is close. And I was like to him, I'm like, mate, if I'm at Bondi, I'll be keep going. I'll be going to the Northern Beaches. Like, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'll foil <laughs> home if I can. And he's like, oh, you know, we'll play it by year. And I was like, yeah, but I'll probably go further. It, like in my head, I'm like, I'm going further. Yeah. Um, and the zigging and zagging at the start, get probably going too far out to sea. And then 
going back in, you know, adds an extra three or four kilometers. And yeah, I yeah. didn't even, I, at one point, my captain was saying, look, we're going to have to come in at Cronulla because the light's getting too dark. We don't want you to, because you have to step onto land within the 12 hours and have it filmed for the Guinness yeah. stuff. Um, so they were really pushing me to, to come in earlier. And um, there was a point where I was just, you know, off the national park, just, just south of Sydney. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to go at Cronulla. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going at Cronulla. There's no way. Like there's, I was just like, that's not like it's, I'm only going to just break 200 if I come in at Cronulla. Like I want to go further. But I'm like, I've got like, I've got like an hour and a half from now. I can do 20 Ks in half an hour or like so, uh, in an hour, you know, easy. So I was like, even at this, even like, because the conditions have gotten better. So I was like, look, what's it, what's a compromise? <laughs> and yeah, so La Perouse was the compromise. And um, I'm still like, I reckon I could have gone like to the next beach, um, Little Bay, actually where a guy got a, devastatingly attacked by a shark like eaten by a shark probably two months or three months ago oh, um, wow. so my boat captain reminded me of that after we had a catch-up dinner the other night he's like you know when you said little bay yeah that's where the guy got eaten and i was like ah it's fine like i wasn't gonna you know it was it's a one-off i don't worry too much about sharks but um yeah also like the other thing was i hadn't because i hadn't planned to come in so early like bondi is an easy beach to get into because it's just sand whereas little bay and um uh, malabar and all these other spots they're sort of rocky and i haven't been to them before so i, and I hadn't planned to finish there either so coming in at cronulla was not only was it too short in my mind but also for the camera guy to the land crew to film me coming in it was like i don't know where i'm where in cronulla i'm going to come in like and i don't know how big the surf is and so yeah, yeah. in hindsight coming in at bear island was a really good thing because it's only a really tiny beach really easy to spot and there was no swell no no, no waves getting in there so yeah. um you didn't my, get dumped and washed up on the beach like yeah that. didn't get <laughs> so for those listening when, when marcus so when marcus and i did our fall for the fires 100ks from like uh what was it, like bunbury was it to to yeah. andra yeah so yeah, a bit past. yeah yeah marcus didn't want to at first he didn't want to do hundred. Then he got this, like the conditions got really good and he got really excited. And he's like, we're going for the hundred. And they're like, oh, sweet. I'm <laughs> stoked for this. And then we yeah. sort of got to have to get to this point. And I sort of looked at my watch and Marcus is on a slower fall. So I looked behind, I'm like, oh, I better come in. Cause he's, he's probably cooked. And, <laughs> and literally you came in, you fell off just outside the breakers and you paddled in, you got washed. And then like the sweep was so strong. You got washed all the way like down the beach. Yeah. And you, I'm like on the beach. I think I, was, I, think I filmed it, and I, I don't think it was shared. But, in, but it was like a, like I didn't want that to happen. Errors. Yeah, I didn't want to be washed up the beach and have a. You nah, know, yeah. that wasn't fun. No, nah. so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was flat. Let's just go past that. Let's forget about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, at the start, we, we were chatting about. Um, the when we did the hundred, you know how we had. I remember having a little moment going far out. I swear I've paddled up. I've only foiled for a kilometer and a half or two k's max without having to come down and get weed up and just going. I don't think this is possible. <laughs> you know what are we doing basically? Mm. Um, and you were like, no, nah, no, nah, it's all good. And then you had a little moment. I was like, no, nah, we're good. Like, yeah, and. But you're on your own in this thing. Did you have any weird moments or was it actually besides the current 
issue was it pretty smooth sailing um in your brain <laughs> yeah no it was mentally it was the, the most like steady i think i've ever been for any any endurance anything over two hours i think i've ever done um yeah. i'm not sure why that was i think i'd just been planning this for so long and um yeah. you know in my head i was doing the math like the speeds looking at my watch okay it's looking good um what sort of distance am i going to do reading the bumps really being in the moment focusing on refueling talking to the captain about you know get, organizing the next food drop organizing our line you know there was just so much going on that i didn't i feel like i didn't have times to the time to be really down or be really up it was really quite steady the whole way which um su surprised myself to be honest i, I sort of thought um, I guess to me, the lowest point, I had two watches on um, and my second watch like just wigged out. It did, it was at like 200 and it was, it was 184. And all of a sudden I did a kilometer in like 30 seconds. I'm like, what the hell? I thought I'd just press the lap button. Then I did it again. So like three or four Ks, my watch, my second watch stuffed up. Um, so it was like, I was like, oh, like, and, and to, to measure it for Guinness, and for you know anything you, you want the stats to be right but it was an obvious glitch yeah. and um i was like oh <laughs> like i've got two watches you know but it was like okay. i'm like was oh, that on man. purpose the two watches in case yeah, well i was worried about battery life for, for that long um, yeah. but also yeah. like glitches in hindsight i'm like geez glad i did that mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it glitched basically so that was i was like oh is this gonna is it does it still work and is the other one gonna go and mentally that was the only time I really yeah. was worried, like worried about watches and distances that so you can look at the stats later, nerd out on. But um, yeah. <laughs> that was that was my that was my lowest point, despite the other than the first two hours where I'm like, man, this is going to be hard if the wind doesn't come. Um, yeah. But it was just so like I've never been so because um, because I was overfoiled, I had to really read the bumps really well and probably stand a little bit further forward and you know, that sort of more efficient sort of really offset and feet really forward. And like my hips were pretty much forward because I was just basically at the limit of the upper, the upper end of the foil. Um, mm. So it was, it was a good, it was such, I guess the challenge was um, I had to be switched on enough that I couldn't, there wasn't too much self-talk, I guess, or <laughs> self-doubt in there. Yeah. yeah it was just get it done and everything was looking good on my watches and when it stuffed up I was like oh but what does that mean now for my distance you know like where am I going to be and I've like, got the other watch I go off that one and and yeah. that was kind of settled me back down and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was yeah it was for the most part like you've seen me that's the first or the second year at Molokai Marcus you're on my boat and there was just like, I just switched off for like an hour of the race yeah and i, I was sort of, thinking about that while you were just talking about yeah and then that that, that caffeine gel like sort of kicked me back into gear and i think well i think even the year before that i've been on your boat twice yeah. um the first year you weren't doing caffeine you were clean <laughs> um and um you switched off for ages and it was it was so weird like you were just not you and, mm. and I actually didn't know you that well. It was like we kind of just started hanging out. I'd literally come over to Hawaii to try and fix up your boards that were falling apart at the time. Mm. Um, we won't go into detail about that. <laughs> Different brand, not Sunover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and 
the most crazy thing to see was when you switched on though and we couldn't see the paddlers in front of where we were that you ended up passing it was yeah i i if you're a stand-up paddler <laughs> and you saw what i saw like gives me goosebumps it was crazy but thank god that you know you didn't have to really do that in the other years after to that extent the next yeah. year you turned off for a little while but and then you got on the caffeine and um really switched on and but your down times were um were less i reckon long distance stuff you actually get better at dealing with that stuff too i don't know what you think about that but i reckon you have people have different ways of dealing with it if they've actually come to terms with the fact that maybe they're not good at it or whatever i know for me with racing i i can't race a person because i get too stupid in the head i get too competitive and now i enjoy racing by competing against myself so i just go there to get to the finish line cooked <laughs> like yeah yeah you did 100 and that's cool if you came first cool if you came last fine you know but um and that's how i deal with it what do you think like do you reckon the years of you know i watched you through molokai and unfortunately i was foiling the year that you won but you know even speaking to you after that race you're like i was good i was confident i was never low you know i was battling i had boothy right there but i was all over it you you know you've um, and chatting to your your sister and stuff afterwards, and your stepmom, you know, they were like, nah, "He was good," <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think we we're more worried than he was. Um, do you think that you have gotten better with um, those mental games from just doing stuff like this? Yeah, I think definitely. I think that's yeah. I think the more you do something, the more you sort of understand it, and you know, the more you train. It's different, I guess. Like race like, to me, Molokai to Oahu on a stand up is a really different it's a sprint basically yeah. four hours and it's in some ways it's harder because you have to push yourself harder whereas mm. for 12 hours or what 11 11 and a bit hours um i knew that i had you know x amount of time to do it and i just had to get over like for me it was just getting past that 200ks and in my head doing the math I'm like, yeah it's, it's doable but i'm gonna yeah. have to conserve energy and it's it's not it's not about sprinting. And actually one of the things I found about like actually the foil at the 1099, like I'd done lots of testing on the 1099 and all the ART range from Axis. Um, and I knew how fast I could get it to go, but mm. I didn't know how fast the foil wanted to go when it was maxed or just, just at ha it's happy speed. And when you're mm. foiling 15, 20 Ks or, you know, 20 to 30 Ks, even you can push pretty hard and, and you don't, you know, yeah. you, could, you don't have to deal with any kickback later on because yeah. you're only going 30 Ks. Um, when you're doing 200 Ks, if you push hard for 30 Ks, you're going to deal with a bit of a, a down spike later on. <laughs> so yeah. what I found was that like that fastest K when I did like a 228 or just under 230, like I was sort of, I was hunting, like I was pushing down bumps and, and that's not something that I could have um, continued to do for the entirety yeah. of the, the day. But yeah. if I was racing, that's hundred percent what I'd be doing. Yeah. If I was racing someone or, or racing you know, to, to get a, you know, if I, if I wasn't as confident that I could do the distance within the 12 hours, like confident in my own ability to, to accomplish the goal that I'd set myself, that I probably would have been pushing harder for a lot of it, but because I knew I only had to get, you know, over 200 Ks in the time, I was like, it's okay. If, if I hold, you know, I can give up 20 seconds or 30 seconds each kilometer and I'm still going to achieve what I set out to. So it was like, there's the hair and the tortoise, you know, it was fully... Yeah just like, okay, 
I don't need to race off and chase that bump that's running away from me. I can just like surf a bit more, hold on to it, pull off. And yeah, for, for my coaching, I, I always talk about, and, and Marcus, you're a bit, I know you're a big advocate of it too. Using too big a foil is actually a really good way to learn because first of all, you're going to get up, <laughs> you're going to get up on foil more off, like easier and more often. And two, once you're up, you actually learn the lines you need to take. Cause even if you're on a really fast foil, you're never going as quick as the fastest bump out there unless you're in a day run or like, especially in the ocean when there's longer period swells, you never stay on one swell for the entirety of the run. And so yeah. many people, when they learn, they're like, Oh, you know, I need a faster foil so I can keep up with that bump and it keeps running away from me. And that's, it's a really easy trap to fall into. You actually want to learn to, to pull off those bumps and, and set up your next one. And on a bigger foil, yeah, you've got to do it more often. But when you're learning, that's perfect practice. Yeah. And ideally, you're on a foil that's matched perfectly. You can stay on those bumps and you can maximize your time on that one bump. But even then, mm. even, if you've maxim- like, even if you've got your foil perfectly set up for the conditions, you're not staying on one bump for the entire run. No. At, yeah. at, at its best, like I've done maybe a kilometer and a half on on sort of like a kilometer on one run. I've done like my fast or most part of a kilometer on one run. And you know, because you do your fastest at a time, <laughs> like you yeah. do, that's when you do your PB kilometers, like sort yeah. of under two minutes, but that's, that's like <laughs> one, or t- one or two in like an entire season, you know, like you're not staying on one bump and matching it for the entirety of a downwind yeah. run. So using a big foil. That, like, I don't know. I, 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 I love the feeling of kicking off a bump in the exact right moment and you nearly find this other little section where you, you kick off and you glide through this no man's land and then just turn on to the next one like you're an albatross or something. You yeah. see him motion. gliding motion. Yeah. You won't get good at that if you if you just stayed with one bump all the time, which like we just said, isn't it? it's not possible. But the only way that you get good at that, and that's all downwinding is over and over again, is by doing it. And you have to you have to learn to do it. These The people who say, oh, the bumps keep running away from it. It's like, yeah. That's you just got to learn. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn the how to deal with that, and because that's all it is over and over again, really. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so f- for me, um, in the lead up, I was trying to go faster and faster. And like I was saying before, like there's a speed that your foil can go if you push it, but mm. then there's a speed that your foil wants to go. It's like the glide ratio. I kind yeah. of call it. I call it the foil planing speed. So once you've once your foils like a board gets up on plane it'll just sort of be happy and sort of sit there at that one speed. And then when you get too fast, it'll sort of spike and then it'll quickly drop back to that, that sort of that glide ratio, that foil planing speed. And you can mm-hmm. go below that foil planing speed too. And it's like sort of harder to keep it up on foil. You got to work. But once you get to that sweet spot on your foil, like you can sort of really glide it. And what I found was like, I thought I could go like 230s the whole time on the 1099. But in reality, it was like anywhere between two, 250 and 305 was like it's in, in the conditions I had that's where it wanted to sit. And if I pushed harder, I could go quicker. And if I made a mistake, I'd go a little bit slower. But that was like, that was its happy, you know, pace, I guess. For the effort that you had to put in to do 12 hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think my average speed was like, my average kilometer was like a 3.11, I think it was. Yeah, 3.11. Um, that mm. includes the stops, obviously. That's pretty much... You know, you're pretty much on three minute cap, so 20 k's an hour. Basically, I averaged for for the most part of the run. Expecting it would be less, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was I was actually sort of surprised when I saw that because I 
there's, there were just so many like hundreds of kilometers around the three minute mark. So it really, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like, I guess. normally when, when you I, say included stops, like, yeah, that's really a small part of the picture. Small, when not as big as the picture. Yeah. yeah. So I was like yeah. trying to do the math beforehand. Like if I have a five minute stop, how's that going to affect my average speed? And normally yeah. when I downwind, I have like my average speed in kilometers and I have my, um, like a drop down, I have like a speed for that one kilometer. So I'll sort of see how quick I'm going compared to how quick I've been going. And I was mm -hmm. trying to go quicker. I'm like, okay, how do I get my average like to go quicker? This is at this point, I've done like 150 Ks. I need to go try to get yeah. quicker. How am I going to get it to speed up? And I, you know, worked and work, run, run, and work another. And I looked at my watch, like that was a way quick. I was like closer to like a 230. I should have dropped my speed. And I'm like, oh, I guess I've done 150 Ks already. I needed more than one of those to, to drop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not going to really put a dent in it, is it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, um, this has kind of gone away from your 200 Ks a bit, still on the obviously the subject of downwinding. Um, we obviously have mentioned Molokai quite a bit. If when that happens again, uh, you're going to foil it? Um, look, if there were two separate events for Molokai, SUP and foil, I'd love to can like do both. But if, if there was, but if there's not, <laughs> I'm foiling it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, and what are your thoughts on, and like, obviously the Hawaiian crew now, you got the Voyagers and all those guys right into it. There's a, you know, last time we were there, there was a big scene over there. Now it must be just crazy. And it yeah. looks like they're getting into subs and stuff now as well, just from the small amount I see on social media. But um, you'd assume the pack would be pretty big. Like last time we did it, we had 20, which was crazy. You know, that's mm. three, four years ago. Four, mm. three? I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, three, yeah, three, three, three. years ago. I don't know, 2019. <laughs> yeah, seems, yeah, well, you would remember. But um, the thing that blew me away about um, that race, and if anyone really was into it and paying attention, the Kyle Lenny obviously, um, obviously is a freak because of what he did at the finish um it's on it's i just can't even imagine it i had to lay down to paddle against that wind in some sections because it's like i'm going i feel like i'm gonna go backwards in a minute you know mm. it was crazy mm. um and he foiled pretty much to the finish past um jeff jeffrey spencer yeah and I think at one stage he was 10 minutes in front of him yeah so i i saw jeffrey yeah um, like go past me just as yeah. i was getting to china wall and I was like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. I'm like, oh, there goes, you know, a foiler. No, no, I didn't see Jeffrey go past. I saw Kyle Lenny go past. Had all the Red Bull flags and everything. And I was like, okay, there he goes. He's obviously won it. And I kept going in and I was like, I'll probably catch him because, you know, no foilers going upwind into that. I'll probably, he'd probably prone in. I paddled past and it was Jeffrey. And I was like, because, you know, obviously I've just raced Boothie for four hours. I'm pretty bucket. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm just tripping. Maybe I didn't see Kai. And maybe he was already in and I got to the end and I saw the footage and I'm like, huh, Jeffrey, yeah. like Jeffrey was a long way in, like a long way in, like paddling in, but Kai was already, yeah. like already finished by the time like I passed him and it was yeah. yeah, super impressive. And I think it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the, he obviously used a slower foil so he could go up. That's what I was going on. That was kind of what I was getting at there. Yeah. Like, do you, 
and obviously if anyone was interested in doing the race, that this is what I kind of, obviously, when you get to the end, you hate it about Molokai. I think you're frozen again. I'll just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but also it's the cool thing when you saw what Kai did. He was obviously on a slower foil in the channel because he was behind. And we both know those two guys are freaks. So they're going to both be as quick as their foil probably because they're flawless. Um, mm. But he foiled to the finish. And knowing Kai and, you know, we've been there on Oahu before the race and seen him out there on a outrigger, you know, scoping out China Wall and stuff. Yeah. Like Kai's on an outrigger just hanging out. That's weird. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he probably did the, the study and was like, I can foil up through here and take these lines on a bigger foil and worked out how much time it would save him and probably won through smarts nearly. Um, yeah, I think he would have been nervous, I'd imagine. Into, yeah, is that something you would take into consideration if you were to do it? Yeah, I think um, obviously you can save a lot of time at that end bit, you know, and if there's a swell, you probably, it's less important because, you you know, you're probably going to catch one yeah. wave and maybe try to ride that as far as you could. But the, the year 2019 when we did it, there was, I'd done everything, I caught a wave coming in. Um, I think I might have even broken Travis's record if I'd gotten at least one wave on the outside, but the wind was so strong in our face. Like it was, it was a really windy year that 2019 and all the records yeah. are broken except for like two of them. And you know, obviously um, I didn't get the record, but I feel like if I'd gotten a wave, I probably would have come pretty close. I think I missed it by like a minute or two or three minutes or something. Um, I was second quickest, yeah. but um, yeah, it was, it was um, super windy, that like super strong and, and next to flat. Like there was bugger all swell. No swell. Um, on a foil, obviously, on a bigger foil, you can obviously you can get onto that swell and, and ride. But I, I would have, I don't remember like Kai crouching that much. Like he wasn't getting all, like not necessarily getting super low when he was going into it. But, you know, it's just a super efficient foil. Um, but yeah, he was impressive. Yeah, it still blows my mind. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. For Molokai, I definitely, you know, as long as the course stayed exactly as it was, I think there's the the start, there's the finish, and then there's the middle. <laughs> and yeah. pretty much, if you're just using a fall for the middle, you're probably going to lose a little bit of ground at the start, and definitely lose a bit at the end. So you're yeah. kind of having going to have to be overfoiled for the middle section, kind of like I guess I was for 100k's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, 50 will be easy. <laughs> yeah, nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I reckon, I don't know if I've missed anything. Um, unfortunately, as as much as I really feel like this interview is very important and I wanted to do a good job, I've been so busy and my preparation's actually been pretty much non-existent. Um, but I knew we'd just start chatting anyway, like we usually do and 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 get it done. But um, obviously, you put out a little thing on Instagram about people's questions. Mm. So There's we could probably go into that quickly. I think a lot of them probably got answered. But if if you want, maybe we should just scoot through them. and um, Yeah, even just do like a little rapid fire. Yeah, let's let's do it. Some of them I just probably shouldn't, um, shouldn't ask. Like, who is faster, Jimmy or Marcus? That's an obvious answer. Um, me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you're lighter, mate. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Jacko foil. 
Stiff or flexi mask preference? Oh, stiff. Like the, there's a reason I'd signed with Axis and, and like the mask and the whole setup is so solid. Um, I, I tried a bunch of other brands and there was definitely a, a lot of flex going on and especially with high aspect wings, it's, it's not ideal. So stiff. Yeah, same. No questions. You lose energy when you pump, when you're trying to paddle up. It actually makes paddling up easier with a stiff mask and control everything. It's all yep, better. For yep. sure. Agreed. Julian, uh, did you choose the right foil for the job? Sounds like it. We touched on that pretty. pretty yeah. Well. I think the 1099 was, was mm. the best, including those first two hours. If I was to exclude those first two hours, I probably would have used yeah. oh, comfortably the 999. And if I was feeling like adventurous, the 899. And I think yeah. I, you know. Would have, um, 999's a great wing, I reckon. That works in from pretty light conditions, obviously not as light as you started in, but yeah, I was tempted yeah. to try to use it that morning, but I just erred on the side side of caution. <laughs> I was like, uh and pretty flat. Yeah, it was pretty pretty marginal. I think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, 1099 was perfect. Yeah. For the whole day. <laughs> uh, I won't ask that one. <laughs> What what ah uh, Julian asked what were your fastest and slowest Ks? We've done that one. Yeah, so I think it was three fifty. I have to double check that, and then like a two twenty something. And yeah, there that was a sort of range. But yeah, most I definitely had a few in the two thirties, and I definitely had a bunch in the three forties. Um, current affected, <laughs> and then bombs hanging on for dear life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Someone by the name of MJD123XYZ <laughs> says downwind foil board with windsurf mast track or insert, yes or no. I'm not sure what he means. Does he mean title or track? Yeah, I think he's asking title or track. And okay. look, if you if you're only ever using one foil, I think a title makes a lot of sense. Um, but because we're changing foils to conditions and moving forward and back, I think the the, the tracks are here to stay. And um mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they certainly work just fine. Yeah, I think as well, like with the different foils now, like I was using Axis not so long ago um, and now I'm using the lift and you've got to move it so far forward, further forward than a 10-inch box allows. Like you actually, I feel like we need longer than that. Yeah. If you want to chop and change brands, especially if it's something sold off the shelf, um, obviously, which is what we're working with with Sunover and, you have to, it has to work with all these brands. They're so different. So mm, sure. That's, that's an easy answer. Track. Yeah. All right. Next page. Hydration and planning. That was uh, access of, or Adrian maybe asking that, but I feel like we went through that pre, yeah. during and post. Probably didn't talk about it after. But Yeah, I, it'll go through after. Like basically my calves are cooked. I had to walk around in my heels for like two days. <laughs> I couldn't walk upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had a foil camp on the Saturday. So I did the world record on Thursday, rest day Friday, foil camp Saturday. And I coached from the beach for the first half of the day. And then I went out and with the crew and sort of gave tips while I was out there. And I think it was probably a good thing, like good thing for me just to sort of stretch yeah. everything out a little. I went yeah. actually used the same equipment because I hadn't changed anything. I just threw it in the back of the van and kept going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so it was good to keep moving a day of rest keep moving and yeah the carbs recovered 
and it, the whole body um, felt it like a week after that um, yeah that the main yeah. thing was the calves and that was two days <laughs> yeah, yeah calves cool sydney foil club i assume you'll know who's behind this and he said what was the hardest mental struggle to push through on the world record attempt which we covered pretty well i think yeah the first two hours and then mm. i guess when, when the watch glitched i was like damn yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> so good you had two though imagine it, oh yeah how crazy scale of one to ten says sarah k um he's saying asking if you're crazy on a scale of one to ten or the whole idea the whole idea there's crazier coming so it was probably a solid four four being not that crazy ten being crazy there's crazier coming so yeah. it's a four if i was going to answer that i'm going to put it up around seven and a half on the crazy scale yeah and I mean, when when you talk about bass straight i'm putting that in a solid ten <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that, that's yeah, that was the third compromise that, that Rog talked about. So, yeah, <laughs> been some talk. Um, <laughs> Eric Foyle, what was the max distance from land of your path? Which, once again, I think we were all yeah. over that. 213.89 was the official distance. Oh, he said, what was the max distance from, oh, from land? Yeah, so 15 Ks. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. that wasn't that far out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Vince Bugs, when selecting foil and stab, is it matching to weight bumps or skill mainly? Um, yeah, weight plays a part. Bumps play a bigger part. Um, and yeah, just your own, your own ability. But I'll say it skill definitely yeah i was going to say your own ability yeah yeah because if you can paddle up a smaller foil you can, and and actually marks us we, we spoke about this a little while ago you know i can paddle up a foil i can paddle up the 799 but i've only downwinded it once because it goes too quick for the bumps and then you're just pumping the whole time so it's like not always advantageous to be using a really small foil so you've got to match like yeah to me, the 899 in good conditions is really good because I can paddle it up fine and it I actually do get rest, whereas I can paddle up the 799 and I might go quicker than I would in the 899, but it's harder work. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I've, I've Since moving to Lyft, I've, I've only owned a 120 until recently and bought the 90, but that 120 has been my only downwind foil and I use that in anything really um and then even sort of 12 knots it was wasn't bad but then we did one the other day still paddled it up no worries but just staying on foil it was ridiculous like i can paddle it up in yeah in the conditions that are too small to actually do the bit after the paddle up which yeah. is kind of where we're at now with foiling which is crazy um yeah but yeah i guess that is obviously like you said um what be matching it all to weight conditions and skill yeah and that's the that's the hardest thing like with when racing becomes more of a thing for downwind it's knowing what foil the rider can use for the conditions that are on hand and what conditions are going to do because a lot of the time when you're setting your stuff up to when you're actually in the middle of a race the conditions have changed a lot um yeah so that's that's why i think it's going to be exciting because it's kind of a little bit formula one-esque like it's there's conditions that are going to suit different people better so like bigger conditions will probably suit guys like dave climber bigger guys that can max out a smaller foil 
or oh, sorry, max out a bigger foil. Whereas, you know, really light conditions are going to suit your, your lighter guys like Finn, Spencer, Jeffrey Spencer, Kyleni, because they're, you know, agile and they can um, basically, they can work for little bumps better than a big guy like Dave Kalama. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it, there will be a range, I guess. And like, even for Marcus, you and I, like, I shouldn't be using the same thing as you're using down the track because I'm 15 kilos heavier than you. <laughs> but you do. Yeah, that's um, that's a good question. I, I think that's important for people to know when they're getting into this too, you know, like when they see Instagram, it's not real life, <laughs> you know. Mm. What one guy's That's, that's a one-minute snippet. Yeah. 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 Um, how long did it take him to get up? You know, you're seeing highlights of people's stuff. So I think it's important to really figure out what works for you and not try and be the other guy you foil with who might be just better or lighter, you know. Um, mm. All right, next one. Mush Monster. What was the progression of your mental slash flow state throughout the run? Yeah, I think we pretty... Yeah, I was pretty focused. And there were definitely when conditions were harder, I was probably more focused. And when conditions got easier, I was doing radio interviews and chatting to my wife and (laughs) (laughs) eating food. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one. Foil Graham, how many cramps did you get along the way? Yeah, just that one little one, like at the two hour mark, basically when I was paddling up for the for the um first or the second time after the first stop. And that was just bumps light high heart rate too high and not probably a little bit low on water and fluid like fluids and electrolytes because i was trying to stretch it out before the bumps got better (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) fanatic australia is that uh john angle (laughs) (laughs) the sexiest marcus or jimmy i'm gonna say jimmy i'll give him that one that's just because he's younger (laughs) Be crazy to get along the way. Oh, that's another one. Oh, it's the diary. Same guy. <laughs> ben Tardrew. What a dickhead. Do you I wish your halves are as big as Marcus's? <laughs> I said before, I wish I did some more calf raises. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're pretty massive. <laughs> <laughs> CJ. Oh, I want to listen to that episode so bad. Loved it. Oh, he wants to hear about the transfer system from the boat. We didn't get into that much. Oh, that was Casper. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So the transfer was literally, I was chatting to my brother the day before we were driving down. And he goes, you know, the Tour de France? Like, and so my brother's very much like my dad. Um, sticky bottle. Sticky bottle. He's like, why don't you, you know, just do a transfer from, you know, the boat or, you know, even just have someone sitting in the water and holding your pack up, you know, a, so they don't have to stop and don't have to paddle up. I'm like, you know what, Willis? That's a pretty good idea. We should try it. And obviously, this is the day before. We're not going to try it the day before. We'll try it on the day in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried it when it was light conditions. And, oh, we got so close. I really think if Zane had gotten the – he had like a soft top on board, if he'd paddled it out and just sort of held the bag up above his head, it would be super easy to do a transfer like that. Yeah. Um, and I'd just take my pack off and throw it in the water next to him and he yeah. could recoup it and – and you know, get back on the boat and keep moving. But he was um, not all that keen jumping in the water. I think from from all reports. <laughs> and the first the first change was probably the only option we could have done it because as it got later, the the, the conditions got way more rough. 
and for the boat to um, stop, let Zane off, um, do the transfer, and then pick Zane up. I, it would have been hard for the boat to catch up to me. Um, it wouldn't have been a quick. It wouldn't have been a quick thing. It would have been a long sort of yeah. process. But I think for next time, I, I'm pushing. I'm going to push for that as as the transfer system and in save the water. The, yeah, yeah, in the water. Yeah, rather than um, yeah, what you we tried the was first ever bag change when I did it for you at Molokai. Yeah, that was a nightmare. Yeah, in our head, that was going to run so smoothly. I think you even fell out. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Something, well, I just remember it being a nightmare, but um, I yeah, yeah, but. I, I hear him about getting in the water. Jumping in that channel is like, it's, I don't know. I, I, I did it, but I was never really that cool with it. I'm, and you hear all these guys' stories like, oh, I saw a massive tiger shark out there and this and that, which I think I, in my head, I'm like, oh, tigers, they're the, you know, they're the docile one, but I still, you know, it's in the back of your mind when you're floating there, the boat leaves you because you're not sitting there waiting. You know, they don't want to disturb your water. For sure. Oh my God, what am I doing this for? <laughs> so Jimmy can get his stupid electrolytes. Caffeine. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway, yeah, I think that's a good system when it works. It's um. Yeah, I think it's definitely easier when it's smoother conditions. But yeah, we'll have to fine tune that. To the yeah. next one. Need a little rubber ring or something. Just float in that like a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> fully. All right. Cool. Yadi, James, is there a trend towards using shorter masts to make the paddle up easier? Hmm. Yeah, seems to be. I, I don't think it helps as much. Like definitely too long a mast is no good. But for me, I played around with the 75 and the 82 from Axis and I didn't notice too much difference in paddling up. 75, maybe a little bit easier, but not a lot. Um, and then once up on foil, a lot of the backwash we get here in Sydney just and with a higher aspect wings, I'm breaching a tip more and more often using the 75 than I would in the 82. So it's a balancing act. Um, long mm. mass, longer mass means you breach less and your, or your board touches down less. Um, mm. Like you watch Jeremy Riggs, his videos, and he's using a shorter mast, but his board's touching down a lot. And I don't care how narrow or pintail your board is, a board touching down is drag. So I prefer to be a little bit longer and have a little bit more mast in the water. But run mm. as high as I can and have less board touch, less board touchdowns and less wing tip breaches that result yep. in falls. So there's a there's a happy medium, I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's funny here we're all on seventy fives, but we don't have your headlands and stuff. Now bumps are pretty, um, you know, they're pretty organised. They're not like Maliko organised probably, but they're they're good. And mm. we don't have the backwash, so we use the seventy five. No worries. I, I I find it a little easier to get it up um on foil but yeah i think without that it's it's yeah, it's interesting that you say that because i that's something that we don't consider so we don't even need that longer mast and you're also using guys. 600 square centimeter foils <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the boys here are really um pushing the limits it's been awesome the guys who have got into it over here and uh, julian's heading to hawaii in um to do some racing i think it's going to be He's probably going to turn some heads, I think, over there. He's de he's a dedicated guy. He's he's very impressive. But um, yeah, like I probably would have just, you know, what I'm like. I'm like, ah, that's too small to paddle up. I'll leave that in the car. But yeah, he's he's the one who gets out there and he tries it. And he's like, that's possible. And sure enough, it's totally possible. It's actually not that bad. It 
it blows me away. But yeah, I probably wouldn't really explore these crazy options if it wasn't for for these guys. So it's awesome. They're they're legends. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think it'll get to that point where we're really looking for all those one percenters so we can paddle up because foiling that 90 downwind is mind-blowing i haven't come in from a downwind run really mind-blown like i did the other day after using the 90 it was pretty insane um yeah it's pretty cool yeah, maybe cool that's where it's that, all going yeah. yeah totally you know we'll be we'll be uh looking for all the little mini advantages i think cool um with oh this is liam hillier with the light winds at the start, were you pumping flat out for two hours? Not flat out, but I was certainly pumping more than I wanted to. Like I was working hard and like my back leg was proper sore. Like, like I wouldn't have been able to do that for 12 hours. So yeah. the 1099 was good for the first two hours because I could, I could pretty much sustain pumping um, and getting onto the little swells like I could. And I don't think, I'm not confident I would have stayed on foil for the whole, that first sort of hour and 50 minute stretch on the 999 even. So yeah, I was yeah. pretty happy I was on the 1099. Yeah. Well, I got one more question and then we probably should wrap it up. Um, the Someone waves windy, how much further can Casey go in the right conditions? Sort of have touched on that, but what do you, what do you think is possible? Yeah, look, I think in perfect conditions, with the right and the way everything's getting like with current foils that I've used, I think um, if you had wind from like that was fully set in, there's been like there's been days <clears throat> where you, where we've got you know it's windy from the morning all the way to the evening and like proper strong and big swell. I think if you can get something comfortable in those big conditions and it stays big and windy the whole day, then you can pretty comfortably average 25 k's an hour, which you know 25 times 12 is I know, it's a big number, right? <laughs> what yeah. is it? What is it? Uh, I'm going to say it is... I should know this. 300. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty sure it was 300. I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, the calculator will confirm. Yeah. I think that's... I think that's... Um, I think that's very doable in the right conditions. Um, but... And having the full 12 hours of wind. Does it have to be a 12-hour window for this record thing? Yeah, for the Guinness stuff, it's furthest distance in 12 hours. So, uh -huh. yeah, 12 hours. I think it's a good, you know, that's that's a day. That's most daylight hours. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So stay tuned. I don't think, look, I'm not saying my next attempt I'll get 300 or next anyone's attempt will be 300, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if someone got 300 if conditions were good. Because I've Yeah, everything came together perfectly. Yeah. You think it's possible. Mm. I think that was his question. What's possible? Not what will you do? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're dealing with nature, like you said. So yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that was. I feel like that went okay considering <laughs> my lack of preparation. No, we're all that. I apologise for, but um, yeah, it's been a crazy few weeks. But yeah, thanks. Um, thanks yeah, for I just your time. Wanted, yeah. Me, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. I. I want to say congratulations as well. Like on the, on this thing because it's massive and obviously yeah you've been been like, whispering in my ear about this over the last few years and I'm just kind of like eh, you're just crazy you know <laughs> we'll see 
And then, yeah, like I've just been so busy with some other stuff going on. They're like, oh, I'm on for next week. You know, it's happening. I'm like, oh, holy crap. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of yeah, all it's happened. happened. Yeah. yeah. Finally. So, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, long time planning, but well done. It's very cool. And uh, yeah, I was very proud. I was working on the day, but kept checking in when I could. And yeah, I was like a, a proud dad. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, for sure. No, it was that was good to debrief like we did now, mate. Because we I think we had a we had a few chats, but this was the longest yeah. debrief I reckon, and we could everyone else to listen to it too. This is this is a standard chat for Marcus and I. A lot yeah, of the times, yeah. my, my wife's like, "Who are you chatting to?" Marcus, he's like, "She roll her eyes." She goes, "I'm cutting you off at 45 Ten minutes." Hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm disappeared. Yeah. Too much uh, nerding out on foils. Yeah, it does. It's too much fun. But I'm hoping to catch up with you soon, Marcus. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But thanks everyone for listening in and thanks, Marcus, for interviewing, mate. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, it's my pleasure. It's not something I'm overly good at or comfortable with. But um, yeah, thanks. It was it was cool. And I'm glad that you agreed to do it because I think you should have your story on your like platform or whatever you call it. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely better than me doing a monologue. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, mate. All right. I'll catch you later, mate. Cheers. See you later.